Well, good evening. Let's turn in our Bible, shall we, to Romans chapter 15. As Paul said, we want to, on these occasions, let God's Word set the agenda for us. So we are looking at the start of each of these sessions at some of the uh, things that the Bible has to say regarding prayer and specifically looking on these occasions at uh, prayers that we have uh, in the New Testament in particular. And we're going to read Romans 15, 5 to 6. This is what we read. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus, so that with one heart and mouth you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. This is God's word. Well, uh, just as we think this through, uh, before we come to prayer, uh, there are three questions we want to be asking of this text. Uh, number one, who are we praying to? Number two, what are we praying for? And number three, why are we praying this together? And why are we praying this prayer? And basically what we have here is Paul uh, praying a prayer for the church in Rome at the end of a section where he has been pleading with them that they would be together. There have been difficulties and disputes between those who are weak in the faith and those who are strong in the faith, and this is Paul's prayer. So first of all, let's ask the question, who are we praying to? This text tells us plainly, uh, first of all, a God who endures our weaknesses. A God who endures our weaknesses. In this church in Rome, Paul recognizes that some believers are stronger in their faith than others. There are people who are at different stages in their Christian maturity, in their walk with Christ. But what is happening here is it seems like those who are strong aren't really coping with uh, handling those less mature believers very well. It looks like they're judging them, debating with them, and so on. So when Paul begins this prayer basically by praying to the God of endurance, what he is helping them to know uh, is that he is, and what he is recalling for himself, is that God is actually patient with us, with us all. He is a God who actually endures all of our own weaknesses. That, and it helps us to remember, doesn't it, that no matter even how far on or how mature we think we are in our faith, we are not Christ. We are not at that level of attainment of the perfection of Christ. No, we still have a long, long way to go, all of us together. Which means that even the strong in faith, in a local church context, actually, we're all still weak. So he is a God who endures with us, endures with us in our weakness. We're called to remember that. We're also praying to the God who encourages our walk. Uh, the Greek word here for the encouragement is the God who comes alongside to comfort us. Now, I was sharing with the IF students just a, a couple of weekends ago that this, uh, this word comfort in here uh, doesn't mean that we're supposed to, that, that he's a God who comforts us. Uh, I get pictures of someone putting your slippers on or giving you a cup of tea, you know, a nice little blanket or something like that. That's not the case. I think it's depicted for us well in the Bayou Tapestry 
which is a tapestry depicting, of course, William the Conqueror, his, his battles. And there is one situation there where in the tapestry you have a picture of, of William's troops in front of him, all with their long spears, uh, upright like so. And you have William behind them with his big spear pointing down, shall we say, at their posteriors. Okay? And the inscription in Latin says, William comforts his troops. Now, that does not sound very comfortable. Of course, you will agree. Um, but I think that's the sense of the Greek word that's in here, the one who comes alongside and who comforts, but who, in a sense, strongly encourages and prods us forward in our faith. So who are we praying to? We're praying to a God who endures us, uh, endures our weaknesses, and a God who encourages our walk. What then are we actually praying for when we pray to this God? Well, we're praying for real togetherness. I think this is illustrated for us, isn't it? In this fine advertisement. When Scotland play, we all play. Maybe that would help. Uh, maybe if we all lined up on the try line, that would actually do us some favours. Uh, I feel like scrumming down with them sometimes. Uh, but I think this is something of the community that we are supposed to have. We are supposed to have this sense of that we are together following Christ. That we're together following Christ. Paul prays that they would know real unity as they follow Christ. Which basically means it's about having one ambition, one heart, uh, one motivation that we would be essentially passionately concerned for the same things. Now, at a very base level, this does not mean that we agree on everything. That doesn't happen in my household, nor yours, I'm sure. Never mind in the household of faith. But the unity that Paul is encouraging us here uh, to pray for here is not unanimity, perhaps even on issues that divide the weak and the strong, nor is he praying that unity will be achieved through the weak surrendering their weaker faith and immature faith to those who are stronger. No, Paul is praying essentially that they will be unified by learning to love and accept one another even in the midst of their differences. What does that look like in a church? How, how can we inform our prayers in this regard? Well, it means that we give ourselves to a regular lifestyle actually of humility in our relationships with one another. We give ourselves to regular lifestyle of confession and forgiveness. We work together to build a sturdy bond of trust together as a church. And that we deal with our differences with, with very real and very genuine uh, appreciation and grace, making sure that love and only love is uh, the foundation for our relationships. So what are we praying for? We are praying that we would be together following Christ, but also together proclaiming Christ. I love the picture that we have in this text of, the, of real unity as it's presented to us in verse 6, uh, that picture of one voice. It's saying something far deeper, of course, than that we should expect our corporate singing to be marvelously in tune. It's saying that we should pray like Paul, that we should be of one voice, that we would proclaim Christ together. It's saying that when a gathering, even like this, of humanly incompatible people are united in Christ, following Christ, proclaiming Christ, 
we can achieve far something far greater than what we could ever hope for or imagine. You see, it's interesting in verse 6, you might expect verse 6 to read, so that with one heart and mouth you may live together in peace and harmony as well. No, it goes on to say that our togetherness achieves something far greater. And this reveals for us, thirdly, why we are praying this prayer. It's not so that we can just have a nice place to be in. There is a greater reason. It is so that with one heart and mouth, you may glorify the, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We pray this prayer because God's glory is at stake. We are to pursue unity, not for our own benefit primarily. Not so that we can have, as I say, a pleasant place to worship in or a nice group of friends to enjoy. We are to pursue unity because our togetherness brings glory to God. And God is honored when different people stand shoulder to shoulder, lift their voices in praise to him, commit their lives to, uh, to corporately living in order to show off his glory to those uh, around them. And when this happens, it's an incredible thing that we see. The invisible God becomes visible to the world. The invisible God becomes visible as the one true God who alone can bring a broken world together under one head, Jesus Christ. He is made known. We need to understand as we pray this prayer that failing to adhere to this and failing to ask for this can lead us down the track of disunity and that simply gets in the way of our gospel work doesn't it and it prevents a poor reflection of God and his glory and of that we should perhaps repent and for these things that we should pray that together we would follow Christ to the hilt together proclaim Christ with one voice that together we live in such a way that people see us and praise him to praise our great God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who endures with us in our weakness and encourages us in our walk through his word. Let's commend ourselves, our church, our unity to the Lord as we pray together.